Let's go to the book of Proverbs. We're just going to do a little bit of a word study tonight. Small little word, five letters. It's mentioned 17 times in your Bible in its various forms. Proverbs chapter 17, if you would. This is a companion verse to the verse that I want to look at tonight. But we'll look at it first. Proverbs 17 and verse 22. The Bible says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dryeth the bones. Now turn over a page, if, you, if your Bible's laid out that way, to chapter 15. And this is the verse I want to we find our word in. Chapter 15, and we'll look at verse 13. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit, I have entitled the message, Cheer Up. Cheer Up. Now, I don't know if anybody's sad here tonight, so don't don't go thinking that. But uh, the word cheer, I want to look at the word cheer tonight. And so I looked up the word cheer in the dictionary. And cheer means to have shouts of joy, to dispel gloom, sorrow, silence, or apathy. That's what the word cheer means. Shouts of joy. We, the world has its own definition of cheer. You might see in television commercials on beverages that should not be consumed by people, and they will hold up their glass and they will say what? Cheers. They will say cheers. But that, that, that's a fake cheer. It's fake. What they don't show you is the end of that night of a good time, of that end of a night of joy. Cheers, they'll say in the Jack Daniels commercial. Cheers! Let's have a good time. Shouts of joy! But they don't show you, teenagers, the guy throwing up in, in his bathroom at 3.30 in the morning, not knowing where he's been and who he's talked to, not knowing how he got in this room that he's never been in before. But he thought he had cheer. He thought he had some cheer. It's fake cheer. The world always has a counterfeit always has a counterfeit for what um, the Bible wants us to have. There, another cheer that we probably know of, you can say it with me, hip, 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 hip. That's cheer. That's a cheer. That's a cheer. I saw them do that when they, uh, when they uh, declared the new king of England. They read this long proclamation and they would say, three cheers for the king, and they would do what we just did. That's, that's a cheer. That's a cheer. Our verse tonight says, A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. A countenance, a face that is full of cheer. I will never forget, uh, and sometimes it still even happens, my father, he will look at me and say, You happy, son? I'll say, Yes, sir. He said, Well, tell your face. But a merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. In other words, if you have joy, if you have cheer deep down in your heart, it's going to show up on your face. We sang about that tonight. Then I can smile at Satan's rage and face a frowning world. 
I was looking around when we were singing that. I won't tell you what I saw. But we're supposed to have cheer. We're supposed to have cheer. The word cheer, as I mentioned, is mentioned 17 times in your Bible. It's interesting that the first mention, we studied, we learned about that, the law of first mention. Uh, a lot of it can tell you about what a word means. And so I looked at the first place the word cheer is mentioned is found in Deuteronomy chapter 24. And uh, the Bible says that when a man gets married, that he doesn't have to go off to war. And the Bible says that he has to take one year to cheer up his wife. The first time the word cheer is mentioned in your Bible is told that a man needs to take a whole year to cheer up his wife. Now, now girls, it's not like it is today. Back in the Bible days, a lady didn't get to choose who she married. Think about that. You might need a year to get cheerful depending on what your daddy decided to do. And he was to take a year to cheer his wife. If you know me well at all, you know that I am not naturally a cheerful person. I married somebody that was. So I don't really know much about that verse, but she's cheerful. She's happy, but not all the time. Not all the time. There are some times, depending on the day, I have to reach way down deep in my soul and find a little bit of cheer that I got down in there and say, cheer up, Hannah, because I can't take much more of this. I'm doing my best to cheer her up. And I say, please, please cheer up because I don't have much left. I don't have much left. That's the first mention of cheer in your Bible. Cheer up. Cheer up. Sweet Springs Baptist Church, those of us that belong here, we should be some of the happiest people on the face of the earth. The happiest people. I believe among our church family, the happiest group of people should be our teenagers. Listen to what Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 9 says. It says, Rejoice, O young man. That's you guys. That's you. That's you too. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth. Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 17 says, His goodness, talking about the Lord's goodness, shall make the young man cheerful. Cheerful. I think the happiest group of people among the happiest group of people should be you guys. Well, why that? You don't understand what I have to go through on a day. I have homework. I have to take out the trash. I got to poop scoop the yard. I got to do things that I don't like to do. What do you mean be cheerful? Well... I haven't had to counsel a teenager yet that had to come up to me and say, we don't have any water at our house. I haven't been able to shower for three months. There's no water, no soap. Worse yet, Brother Benjamin, you need to do something. I went in the refrigerator the other day and there was no food. None. There's nothing in the freezer. 
I, I looked in my closet the other day, opened it up. No clothes. No shoes. I haven't had to counsel one teenager with those kind of problems. Not one. Well, why would you be sad? You got food in the fridge. You got a bed to sleep in. You got a pillow to put your head down at night. You got sheets. You got covers. You got shoes. You got food. Why would you walk into church with a sad face? Why? Because you're tired? You better wait. You better wait. Because when you get to be 20, 25, going to college, working a job, you'll know what tired is. All these adults are shaking their head at you. Yeah. What I'm saying is you have to have a cheerful heart and a cheerful countenance in spite of your circumstances. I've heard pastors say, I've never been there, but I've heard him say that some of the happiest people that he has ever met were in a jungle somewhere. They didn't have nothing, but they, but they had a smile. But they had a smile. Cheer up. We shouldn't have one teenager walk in our church with a, smile, with a frown on their face. Not one. Not one. You didn't walk here. I, you didn't dig a ditch all day, I don't think. If you did, it was probably good for you. And if you did do it, you probably got paid. How about that? No, the, probably the worst thing you had to do was go to school in an air-conditioning room and listen to somebody talk about fractions. And that's going to make your heart sad? You have a roof on your head. The Bible says, The goodness of the Lord shall make the young man cheerful. So are you happy? Some of you need to tell your face. Tell your face. Well, I want to look at three things tonight. Brother Joel Haynes says the Lord speaks in threes, and I believe him. Turn, if you will, to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Why should I be cheerful? You don't know what's going on in my life. You're right. I don't know what many of you had to go through today. What you had to deal with at work what you had to deal with with your family, what you had to deal with with co-workers or road rage. I don't. So I want to explain to you why you should be cheerful. There's an explanation. We have an explanation, number one. Matthew chapter 9, we find the first explanation of why. Why should we be cheerful? Why should my heart be merry? Why should I have a countenance that smiles all the time? There's an explanation. We find the first reason, the first reason in Matthew chapter 9. Look at verse 1. And he, that's Jesus, entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be... Of good cheer. Now get the picture. This man cannot walk. You can. This man cannot walk. 
He is laying on a bed. Cannot get up. Jesus comes into town and he looks at him and said, Boy, be happy. That's what he said. Now, if he was us, why why should I be happy? I can't walk. I can't go see so-and-so. I can't go to the store. I can't go to the bathroom. I can't go to the... Why should I be happy? Well, look what Jesus said to him. Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. If there is ever a reason why a, a person should be happy, it's because their sins have been forgiven. Because their sins have been forgiven. I say the first explanation of why you should be cheerful is because Jesus Christ has a pardon for your sin. He has a pardon. If you're saved here tonight, if you have been born again, if you've been born again, there is something that you have been saved from, and that is your sin. Jesus said, I have taken your sin and I have removed it from you. I have put it as far as the east is from the west. I have put it in the depths of the sea. And when I see you, what sins are you talking about? What sins? Are you talking about, I don't remember them anymore. If there is ever a reason for a person who is saved, for a child of God to have a smile on their face, it is because you have a pardon for your sin. Not just the sins, by the way, that were before your salvation. But the ones for today. The pride that we've all experienced today in whatever you did. The unbelief. The lack of faith. The lack of prayer. Sins of omission and commission. And yet the Bible, and Jesus said to this man who could not walk, He said, son, be of good cheer. Why? Well, our sins are forgiven. That's, that's why I say the people of Sweet Springs Baptist Church should be the happiest the happiest people in this county, in that county, in that county, and the whole state, in that state, and anywhere. Because I've, I know some of your stories. Yeah. I know what your testimony and what God saved you from. And how God gave you a pardon for your sin. In other words... You were guilty. Guilty. Guilty of sin. Guilty of being away from God. Guilty of falling short of His goodness and His glory. Guilty is what the law said. Guilty is what Satan would say. Guilty is what the Bible was said. But Jesus said, I have a payment for the sin that I, can, that I will pay and I will pardon his sin. And that should cause everybody in here that knows Jesus to be of good cheer. To be of good cheer. So cheer up. Cheer up. Why? Explain to me a reason why I should be cheerful. Well, you have a pardon of your sin. Pardon of sin. Number two, look at John chapter, chapter 16. A pardon for sin. Maybe if we thought more about that pardon, we'd have better days. 
we'd have happier faces and happier hearts and a cheerful countenance. There's an explanation of why we should be cheerful, and that number one, that is because of the pardon of sin. Number two, we find in, in John chapter 16, and look at verse 33. And the context is the disciples are asking the Lord, uh, what's going to happen when you come back? What, what, tell us when you're coming back in the end of the world. And he's explaining all these things. And, and these are the things that he said in verse 33. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world, that's where we're all right now. In the world, ye shall have tribulation. Not the great tribulation, but tribulation. In the world, ye shall have... In other words, you're going to have trouble. Trouble. You're in the world. You're going to have trouble. It's part of life. So don't be surprised when it comes walking your way and knocking on your door and said, Hello, I'm here. That's what Jesus said. He said, you're going to have tribulation. But that's not all he said. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Be happy. Why? I have overcome the world. This world that we live in, this world that brings the trouble that you have to face at work, this, this world that brings the trouble of a, of a car accident, this world that brings the trouble of, of, uh, of sickness and pain and disappointment and death, this world that just brings trouble. Jesus said, be happy. Be happy. Why? Why should I be happy, Jesus? I'm in this world and it's full of trouble. Didn't you see that Putin's going to nuke everybody? And didn't you see that Trump's getting sued? And didn't you see that the Queen of England died? There's just trouble everywhere. Why should I be happy, Jesus? He said, hold on, hold on, hold on, son. Hold on. I've overcome the world. He had, it's not, Jesus doesn't just have a pardon for your sin, but He has power over the world. He has power over the environment that you have to go to every day, sir, and live in and, and hear the things people have to say. He has, He has power over the world that's in your house. Uh, he has power over the environment that you have to deal with on a day-to-day basis and may cause you to have a frown and may cause you to have trouble. But Jesus said, remember, church, I have overcome the world. I have power over that world. In other words, I win. That's what Jesus said. And that should make you have the biggest smile on your face, no matter what's happening in your life. Because tribulation is going to come. But Jesus said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world. The explanation of being cheerful, number one, there's a pardon of sin. Number two, there's power over the world in Jesus. And number three, turn to Mark. Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. Let's start reading in verse 47. And when even was come... The ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them, the disciples, toiling and rowing as tribulation in the world. For the wind was contrary to the game. You ever feel like something's just going against you all the time? Like you're beating your head up against the wall, that the wind, everything you do is just going contrary to you? That's the disciples. That's the, and Jesus, get this, Jesus is watching it. 
He's, he's observing it. He's observing it. He's watching them toil and rowing and seeing that the wind was contrary to them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea and would have passed by them. But when they saw him, I'll read that again. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. These disciples, they're in a storm. They're, everything they do is contrary to them. They're toiling in their rowing, trying to do, listen, trying to do what Jesus told them to do, which was go to the other side. And they find straightway opposition to what Jesus had told them. That's what we're going to find in in the month of October on Saturday. We're going to find tribulation. We're going to find toiling in our rowing. That some people are going to be against us. But verse 49 says, But when they saw Him walking upon the sea. You know what we just need to do? Just like Peter got his eyes off Jesus, we need to get those eyes back on the Lord. The third reason, the third explanation of why we should be cheerful is not just because there's a pardon of sin and power over the world, but because we, as children of God, we have the presence of God. He said in verse 50, For they all saw Him and were troubled, and immediately He talked with them. He talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I. It is I. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Do you know Jesus' voice? Do you have the presence of God? Jesus said, lo, I am with you always. He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. If you are saved, if you've been born again, listen. Jesus is in you and he's always with you. And that should be a reason to put a smile on that face. Why? Jesus is with me. The one who died for my sin. The one who has the pardon for my sin. The one who has power over the world that I live in. He, that man, is in me and with me all the time. All the time. There was a perfect example of this in the life of Paul. In Acts chapter 23, if you want to look there, Paul... Paul is in, a, is in a bad place. Paul's in a bad place. He has gone against the will of God for his life. He has decided that he is going to go to Jerusalem. He told those, those disciples, he said, I am willing also to die at Jerusalem. But the Holy Ghost didn't want him to go to Jerusalem. So he went anyway. And just like whenever... We don't obey the voice of God in our life. There's trouble. Not just because of the world, but because we went disobedient to what God told us to do. That's where Paul finds himself. And look at Acts chapter 23 and verse 10. He finds himself before this council in Jerusalem. There's a big uproar. He has a big argument with the high priest. And in verse 10, when there arose a great dissension, there's a big fight going on amongst the council people. The chief captain, fearing lest Paul should have been, listen, pulled 
in pieces of them. This fight is so bad that the captain is afraid that the mob is going to literally pull part apart. They're going to pull his arms off, pull his toes off, pull his nose off, his tongue out. That's where Paul is. Not a very happy place. Keep reading. Pulled in pieces of them, commanded the soldiers to go down and to take him by force among them. So get the picture in your mind. They're trying to pull him apart. And these soldiers come and grab Paul and take him away because they're afraid he's going to die. And to bring him into the castle. Verse 11, in the night following the Lord, there's the presence of God. The Lord stood by him and said, be of good cheer, Paul. For as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem... So must thou bear witness also at Rome. Paul finds himself in this terrible situation because he's disobeyed God and yet Jesus comes to him because he's always with him. He'll never leave him or forsake him. And he said, it's okay. Be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Because I'm standing by you. You know, I'm afraid that a lot of people... We for, we, we're not cheerful because we forget the pardon of sin. We forget the power of the, over the world that God has. And we forget that He's always with us. We forget His presence. And we, we can't hear that voice that's standing by, him, by us and saying, Be of good cheer. You know what Paul could have done? Paul could have done what that man with the palsy could have done. He said, Why should I be happy? Look at my circumstance. Look at the situation that I find myself in. And he could have chosen... To not be cheerful. He could have chosen to not cheer up. Look at the next chapter. The story continues. In chapter 24, in verse 1, we find an orator named Tertullus. And in verse 2, the Bible says that Tertullus began to accuse Paul. He's accusing him of things. Look at what he says. Seeing that by we enjoy great quietness, and that very worthy of this deed done of this nation, and we accept it always and almost noble Felix with all thankfulness. That the, he's saying that this guy, verse 5, he's a pestilent fellow and a mover of sedition. He's accusing Paul, telling lies about him. But I believe Paul remembered that voice in that council meeting that said, Be of good cheer, Paul. I'm standing by you. Look at verse 10. Then Paul, after the governor beckoned unto him to speak, answered, For as much as I know that thou hast been in many years a judge unto this nation, I do the more what? What? Cheerfully answer for myself. The the previous chapter, we find Paul not being cheerful. At all. He is, but somehow, I believe that he, he remembered the pardon of sin that, that, that Jesus had saved him from, how he had killed those disciples and had, uh, tried to go against the work of God. I remember, I, I believe he remembered the power that Jesus had over the world and the tribulation that he was in. And the presence of God came in and sat down and stood right next to Paul and it made him happy. It made him happy. And he is able to say in chapter 24 to Festus, I do the more cheerfully answer. My circumstance has not changed. My tribulation has not gone away. The road seems dark ahead. It doesn't seem uh, very good in front of me, but Jesus is with me. And so, Felix, I cheerfully answer thee. That was Paul. I'm so thankful for the presence of God. And when I... Feel His presence. I feel Him in that 1986 Mazda B2000. He's there. 
going up and down Oak Grove Road. He's there on Sunday morning at 7.30 when I'm driving. And I can feel the presence of God. And by the time I get here to this place, i got a smile on my face. I'm happy. I'm ready to hear from God. I'm ready to preach to you guys. I'm ready to play with all my heart. Why? Because the presence of God was in my truck on the way here. And that's Paul. Jesus stood by him and he said, Be of good cheer, Paul. And he says to Felix, Well, I cheerfully answer thee. The story continues. The story continues in chapter 27. We have an explanation of why we should be cheerful. Because of the pardon of sin, because of the power over the world that Jesus has, because of the presence of God. And then Paul changes. He changes into somebody that needs to be cheered up to somebody who's trying to cheer other people up. There's not just an explanation of why we should be cheerful, but there's an exhortation that we should give to other people that need to be cheered up. That need to be cheered up. Look at Acts chapter 27. The story continues. Look at verse 21. He's still in a a storm. He's still in tribulation. He's still in trouble. He's in this ship. There's the storm called Eurocladon. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. He's saying, I found myself in more tribulation, but this time it's not my fault. It's not my fault. But look what he says in verse 22. I now exhort you to be of good cheer. For there shall no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. Paul goes from a person who needs to be cheered up, and then he remembers why you should be cheerful, and then he goes to exhorting other people who find themselves in a bad situation too to be happy. He said, Sirs, be of good cheer. Nobody's going to die. Nobody's, look at verse 25, it continues. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. He's continuing to exhort them, be happy in the midst of this storm. Verse 25, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told of me. Look at verse uh, 36. Then were they all of good cheer. You see the progression. Paul goes from getting almost ready to be pulled apart by these crazy people, these crazy religious people. God comes to him and says, cheer up, Paul. I'm with you. Then he finds himself in a ship in the biggest storm of his life, saying to all these sailors, be of good cheer. I I cheerfully answered Felix, and now I'm in this storm. Now I exhort you to be of good cheer. And then they cheered up. You know, cheerfulness is contagious. I dare any of you to be upset around Brother Paul. You can't do it. It's contagious. It's easy to be unhappy around me. Cheerfulness is contagious. There's an explanation of why we should be cheerful, and then there's an exhortation to others to be cheerful. And then lastly... We have to exercise cheerfulness. I'm not going to turn to the verse. We all know it. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. For God loveth a cheerful giver. And that's just not talking about money. That's just not talking about money. 
I'll ask you guys down here. What have you given to God today? Did you give him five minutes in devotions? How about the rest of you? Have you given God five minutes today of your time? In the busy schedule that you have, what have you given to God? Say, Brother Benjamin, I, I, I read my Bible today. I, I, I checked it off the counter. Good. Did you do it cheerfully? I know that's hard because I know how easy it is to get on the phone while you're in the recliner drinking your coffee and not be excited about reading the two chapters that pastor assigned you to read. I experience that on a daily basis. It's hard to cheerfully give your time to God. You're going to have an opportunity to cheerfully give some of your time every Saturday in October. To cheerfully give your time. Not just go because your parents make you. Not just go because somebody's going to say something to you the next time you're at church because you weren't there. But cheerfully. No, I, I get to go tell somebody. I get to give of my time and give of myself to God. I am so happy to do that. It's not just money. It's not just money. What about your life? What about your life? Giving God your life. Teenagers, there is no better thing than putting your life in the hands of Jesus Christ. Giving Him your life. And doing it not because Brother Benjamin expects you to, or Pastor Mike expects you to, or your parents expect you to, but because you want to give back to God with a happy face what He has given to you. And you know what? God loves that. He loves a cheerful giver. And it's not just talking about money. The last thing, last way we can exercise cheerfulness is in Romans chapter 12 and verse 8. You can exercise cheerfulness in your giving. And lastly, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 8, in the verse, Paul says, He that showeth mercy... With cheerfulness. You know forgiveness is mercy and grace. And it's hard. It's difficult to have mercy with a smile on your face. It's hard. Especially when offenses come because we're already in a bad attitude. Paul said... Show mercy with cheerfulness. And then I started thinking about Jesus once again. How that the Bible says that for the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross, despising the shame. And what was the crucifixion but mercy given to you and to me? And the Bible says that Jesus did that with joy. He did it with joy. He was happy to give his life and to show mercy so that we could experience true joy. Is not joy the second fruit of the Spirit? So I say, church, I don't know what you've, what you've gone through today. I don't know what your Monday was like. I have no idea. I don't know if last night was the greatest night of your life or the worst. I don't know what you're going to face tomorrow. 
You might have the biggest storm in your life, like Paul did, happen tomorrow. Your life can change just like that. You hear me, young people? And it's not just happened to older people. Just like that, your life changes instantly. And you could find yourself in the biggest tribulation and the biggest problem you have ever experienced. I don't know what's happening down the road. I don't know what you have to deal with right now. The stresses that you are put under, the pressures that you have to put under, whether financially or in relationships, I have no idea. But that is no reason, depending on what you go through, to have a frown. Because cheer is not determined based upon your circumstances. It is not based... So why should, what is the explanation? Explain to me why I should be cheerful. Well, next time you got a frown, you're having a bad day, maybe it's tomorrow. Maybe it's tonight when you get home. Maybe you pick up one of your kids and your day instantly changes. I'd have no idea. But the next time that cheer starts to fade away, why don't you just remember that pardon of sin and the power that Jesus has over the world and how He has given you His presence. And maybe that will cheer you up and then that should cause you to go to somebody else. Find somebody else who's wearing that frown. Say, hey, has Jesus forgiven you of your sin? Be happy. Jesus overcome the world. Be happy. You have the presence of God. Be happy. Exhort other people to be cheerful. And then let's exercise cheerfulness in giving, not just of our money, but of our time, of ourselves, of our life. Of everything that we have, cheerfully give it, not grudgingly. And show them mercy, like Jesus did to us, with a smile on her face. There's a little song we used to sing at Family Devotions. It says, smile a while and give your face a rest. Raise your hand to the one you love the best. Why don't you just smile a while? Cheer up. Cheer up. You should walk out of here with a smile on your face. Especially you young people. The goodness of God should, shall make the young man cheerful. God's been good to you. God's been good to everybody in here. It should cause a smile. That frown to turn upside down. And walk out of here with a smile on our face and ready. Ready to face that tribulation that might come our way in the world tomorrow with a smile. And maybe somebody next to you will want to know what you got that they don't have.